You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 17 to 42. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said and tell the people all about the new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what it might lead, this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, The captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you filled filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean uh, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. Stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. 
His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, perhaps my favourite movie of all time is The Matrix. If you're unfamiliar with the plot, it's set in the future and machines have taken over the world and enslaved humanity. And in fact, most people actually now live as components in a giant machine. We're literally plugged into the machine and people kind of live in this virtual world, which looks a little bit like the world we live in today. And as far as they know, that's the real world, except that some people are unplugged from the machine. They're unplugged from the matrix and then their eyes are opened to reality where the machines are in charge. And when their eyes are opened, it's very dramatic. Uh, it's very exciting to see what real life is actually like. In fact, our main character is uh, heard to say, whoa, when they realize just how dramatic and exciting things can be in the real world because they've been unplugged from the matrix. However, it's also very dangerous because the machines are trying to enslave humanity. And so when you're unplugged from the matrix, they're out to get you. So these themes of having your eyes open to a new reality, of things being very exciting but also very dangerous, are themes that I think run through our passage today. You see, in Acts chapter 5, we're looking at the adventures of the early apostles. Now, the apostles are those who spent a lot of time with Jesus, his, uh, his closest disciples, and the people who were leading the early church. And they had a lot of things that they were discovering with Jesus. Their eyes were being opened to the reality that God exists, that he's active in the world, that Jesus was God come to, to earth in human form. They were seeing a whole bunch of exciting miracles and hearing a whole bunch of exciting teaching, but there was also a whole lot of danger and challenge that came along with following Jesus. Let me just give you an example straight out of our passage today. The verse just before our Bible reading, verse 16, says this. Uh, this is from Acts chapter 5. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So what we've got here is a mass miraculous healing, a very exciting thing to be a part of. And this sort of thing happened to the apostles frequently. Okay, so that's great. But then the very next verse, and this is the first thing we read in our Bible reading today, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. So they've been locked up for telling people about Jesus. And then later in verse 40, we read that they called the apostles in and had them flogged. And then they were whipped and beaten for being followers of Jesus. So what I want to do today is talk about the challenge of joining God's mission. And as we look at our passage, which is similar to many other passages in the Bible in this sense, 
will see that joining God's mission is a wonderful and bumpy ride. Now, last year, our church started talking about this new idea for a new ministry called Home Hubs. Now, it's a new type of gathering that we hoped would be very missional in the sense that it would be connecting with people who don't know Jesus uh, who and who, for whatever reason, would not normally connect with the existing church activities that we do, the church gatherings that we have, uh, particularly the ones that they would need to come to our building in Diamond Creek for. So definitely this ministry idea has a clear sense of we're going to where people are. Uh, they don't need to come to us. We'll go to their neighbourhoods. We'll go to them. Now, of course, meeting in homes was illegal for the second half of last year or the majority of the second half of last year. So as the staff member in charge of moving this idea forward, that was proving quite difficult. So what we did was we said, well, we can't actually start meeting in homes, but let's get a few people together. We'll start meeting on Zoom and let's learn about mission. So that's what we did. We met each week. We studied mission in the Bible. We studied mission generally. We talked about mission. We prayed about mission. And it was great to learn about it together. Uh, We learned that God's mission, of course, is about loving relationships. God wants to be in loving relationship with people. And he wants people to be in loving relationship with each other. And, and, And even further than that, there's a sense of, He wants us to be in good relationship with the world that he's created for us to live in. This is what God's mission is all about, loving relationships. He's always been on this mission uh, and he continues to be on this mission today. And what he does, and he's done this throughout history, is invite us to join him in that mission. To the extent that this whole church thing that we're doing exists because of that mission that God is on. Sometimes we get this around the wrong way and we actually go, oh, the church exists and we do our thing, we get set up, and then mission is an activity that the church does. You know, it's like once we've sorted ourselves out as a church, then we'll start doing mission. And sometimes we even think that mission only sort of happens external to the church, like it's something that happens overseas or something. That's not the way it works. Church exists because God exists is on mission. If God was not on mission, if he didn't have a mission for us to participate in, the church wouldn't exist at all. The church, the mission is the purpose of church, both locally and of course, all around the world. And so as we were learning all this stuff and as we're focusing on the way God has done mission throughout history and all different ways he does it in the Bible, and there's a huge, huge variety of it, I was just struck with the great need that our world has for God's love and for God's grace. The great need that our local community has to hear the good news of Jesus. And I was really inspired and pumped up to move forward with mission at our church. Now, let's go back to the Matrix. There's a character in the Matrix who is unplugged and so knows the truth but goes to the machines and says, please plug me back in. 
I want to return to the virtual world. I want to forget the truth. I want to forget all the things that my eyes have been open to. I want to go back into the virtual world. I want to return to blissful ignorance. He's found the real world too difficult, too challenging, and he wants to go back to what he perceives as an easier previous life. And I have to say, as we were talking about mission, as we were learning about missions, we were going deeper into mission as a home hubs a brainstorming group together. I could relate to this character from the Matrix a little bit because what, as well as being inspired by mission, I was also feeling something else. I was also feeling a pull in the opposite direction, almost like I had a voice inside of me saying, don't do this. This is going to be too hard. Can't we find an easier way? If you really throw yourself into joining into God's mission, you're going to have to make too much sacrifice. You're going to have to, it's going to be too inconvenient for your lifestyle. Uh, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be a bumpy road. It's not going to be smooth. Can't we find an easier way? Let's just forget about it. Wouldn't life be better if you were ignorant of God's mission? Wouldn't life be easier if you were ignorant of all the sacrifice that was required to be part of, all, be part of this? And I could just feel this pull. I was at at the same time, inspired and wanting to be a part of it and seeing the great need, but also feeling this pull, I guess, towards a more selfish, comfortable direction to not be part of it as well. And I wanted to let you know that because, as I said, mission is the reason our church exists. And I think as we talk about mission and we want to always be about mission and we always want mission, God's mission to be the, the motivator for everything we do. So we're going to talk about it a lot. And I think we should all expect to feel that pull at times. And you might even feel that pull during the rest of this talk. And uh, so just expect it because mission is hard. It's challenging, and when we participate in God's mission, we enter this spiritual dynamic, sometimes called a spiritual battle, where evil will try and pull us away from participating in God's good work in the world. And so I just want you to expect it and, and not feel guilty when you do, but to go, hey, this is just part of it. This is part of the dynamic. Surely the apostles would have felt this. In fact, we know they did at times. We know they despaired at times and they found it challenging. If we look through the early verses of our um, reading today, we see that as they uh, were locked up, then they were jail, they experienced a jailbreak. An angel comes along, sets them free, and says, You need to go back to preaching. And so they do, and they start preaching very close to where this Council, this religious council is meeting called the Sanhedrin. This is like the ruling religious council of the day. And so this council's meeting, they're the ones who've sort of ordered them to be locked up. And they go, oh, there's been a jailbreak. Where are they? And someone's like, oh, they're just over there. <laughs> you know, I can see them. <laughs> and so, all right, let's get them. And so in verse 27, we read that the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Now, this is 
almost certainly the same high priest who ordered the arrest and execution of Jesus. This is the guy who ran the dodgy middle of the night trial that saw Jesus, an innocent man, killed. You know a trial is dodgy when it's run in the middle of the night. <laughs> and so the, the apostles, they're there, they're before the same people who organised for Jesus to be uh, done in, and they're going, well, <laughs> uh, we've been talking about Jesus, saying how great he is. This is probably not going to go very well for us, standing in front of all these guys. Yeah, he was there, he was there. He doesn't like Jesus, he hates Jesus. This is not going to go well. And so you can imagine they're very nervous, and they're probably going at this point, was it a great idea to get on board with Jesus' mission? How's this going to work out for us? But they stand firm in their convictions, they stand firm in their belief, and they're loyal to Jesus in the way they speak. Now, to be fair, they've just been you know, busted out of jail by an angel. They're experiencing a lot of miracles. So I'm sure their confidence was also reasonably high. So let's have a look at the interaction between the priest and Peter, who speaks on their behalf. The priest says this, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Notice he can't bring himself to say the name Jesus. He just says this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Note, you are guilty of this man's blood. You did it. Anyway, uh, now Peter responds with this great line. We must obey God rather than human beings. So he's not like, oh, sorry. Yeah, we have. You did tell us, but we kept doing it. He, he just comes straight back. We must obey God rather than human beings. Now, this is a great faithful response in the sense that if you believe in God, this is something that you should say. Uh, but also, think about the audience. These are the religious leaders of God's people. So they have to agree with you on this. <laughs> you know, like this is a bunch of priests and teachers of God's law. They have to agree. Yes, well, of course, you, know, you would obey God before you would obey people. So they need to agree with that. But then Peter keeps going and he's very critical of their leadership. He's critical about the way they treated Jesus. And he really just sort of goes boom, 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 boom in the following verses to the point where they want to kill all of them. <laughs> they want to kill all the Christians and just get rid of them. And so it's, it's a very volatile situation. Enter a guy with a name straight out of Lord of the Rings called Gamaliel. And he just wants to calm things down. And so he says, look, can we just send these guys out for a moment? Uh, maybe can the parents just talk without the children in the room? And so he says, look, guys, we have these uprisings fairly frequently. And usually what happens is they peter out by themselves. It's happened before. And if they're not got God on their side, it's going to happen again. So... Can we just do that this time as well? You know, if God's really with them, they'll succeed. If not, it's, just, it's going to peter out again. And this seems to mostly convince the council. So they don't, uh, they're not completely convinced as in they still, uh, you know, beat up the apostles and they still tell them to stop teaching about Jesus, but they decide not to kill them. So well done to Gamaliel here for 
uh, an honourable thing for him to do to talk the council down from executing the apostles. And so we see in verse 41 that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And they're still suffering, right? They'll be very sore from the beating they've just received. And so, I mean, that's worth, you could meditate on that verse all week. You know, rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. We're assuming here for the name of Jesus or the name of God or the the name of living in the way of Jesus. And then in verse 42, we see they're not actually obedient to the instructions that have been given by the council because day after day in the temple courts, so publicly, and from house to house privately, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, here's the temptation I think we uh, will often bump into. I've certainly experienced this temptation. I would be surprised if you don't experience this at some point in your life. To have this deep desire for church to be a smooth and comfortable place, that our church gatherings, that our church community would be free from mess, would be free from problems, would just, just go nice and smooth. Wouldn't that be nice? I think any time, but particularly during the pandemic, where we've just had change, 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 things getting cancelled, uncertainty here, what's going on with my job, I don't know what's going on with my study, I don't know, is school back, I don't know, am I going to isolate this week, I don't know, am I going to get COVID, I don't know, so much uncertainty. Wouldn't it be nice if my church could be a stable place where there's way less uncertainty than in other parts of my life? Maybe you are looking to church to be that place. We can look to other places. Maybe you look for your family to be that place or your work to be that place. But at times, maybe we're tempted to look to church to be that place of incredible stability. I would not blame you for doing that, particularly during pandemic times. Here's the thing, though. To achieve this, if this was even possible, we would have to turn our backs on joining in the mission of God. We would have to reject that invitation because mission is messy. The reason for that is that real people are messy. People like you and people like me, we don't always make the right decision. We don't always make the best decision. We make mistakes. We get things wrong. We act selfishly. We mess things up sometimes. And then you put a bunch of messy people together in a church community, things get messy. That's just the reality of church. That is absolutely the reality of mission when we're seeking to go to the most broken parts of God's world and seek to bring healing. And so that's the reality of mission. If we're going to be doing it, we've got to expect some mess. Now, I'm not saying that we should just seek out all sorts of problems and just welcome all the problems and go, yeah, all problems are good. It'd be great to avoid uh, plenty of types of problems. Let's avoid insurance fraud. 
Let's do our best to avoid leaders abusing people types of problems. We don't need to have problems like, you know, the the roof literally falling in because of lack of maintenance problems. It'd be great if we could do our best to just avoid those sorts. We also don't have to initiate problems just by being obnoxious jerks. You know, we don't have to bring problems on ourselves just by being idiots. Let's not do that. But if things get messy because we are participating in God's mission to bring loving relationships into the world, loving relationship with God, loving relationship with each other, great. You know, if we look at verse 41 and we think about why are the the apostles celebrating their suffering, it's not because they're just generally celebrating suffering. It's because their suffering has been for a greater purpose. It's because their suffering has been because of their faith in Jesus. And that's the sort of mess that we would welcome. If real people are dealing with real issues and real questions and that gets messy, all good. And I would argue that the biblical picture of messy lives being transformed by the goodness and the love of Jesus, that is much more compelling than a smoothly run religious organisation. And that actually Jesus presents that compelling image of the church and of the kingdom over and over again in his teaching. It's going to be hard though. You know, mess is hard to deal with sometimes. Uh, This is a challenge. We're going to feel that pull away from it. And uh, so we're going to need God's help. And the apostles get God's help all the way through this passage. well, all the way through the book of Acts, I should say, and particularly near the start of this passage. Obviously, the angel breaks them out of jail. That's a big help. But then gives them some direction. In verse 20, they, the angel says to them, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Now, I can't help but wonder, and we're not told one way or the other in the text, would they have continued preaching if the angel hadn't told them to? You know, because I wonder if the angel hadn't given that instruction, would they have broken out of jail and then gone, gee, it's getting pretty dicey here. We're getting locked up. We're not very popular with the, with the people in charge. Maybe we should put our heads down, go into hiding, move to a new city. Did they need that nudge? Did they need that encouragement from God to continue sharing the good news? I'm not sure, but... I think we're going to need, always need that encouragement from God and for him to be helping us along the way. We need to look to him for help. So it's important that we remember that this is God's mission, not ours. If we decide that it's our mission, we will be crushed by the weight of it. But if we remember it's his mission and that we're invited to participate in it, it's going to be okay. So to finish... Uh, a next step, and I'll, I'll put us in. I'll sort of give, give us two broad categories of people. You pick which category you're in, and that'll dictate which next step I'd recommend. So, category number one is you don't really want to join in God's mission. Now, possibly that's because at this point in your life, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, uh, and so you know at that point you go, yeah, well, I'm not ready for the mission yet because I'm not sure it's even true. Or you do believe in Jesus, but deep down, if you're honest with yourself, 
you just don't want to make the sacrifice that's required to participate in the mission. Here's my next step recommendation for you. Pray. Talk to God about it. I'd recommend one-on-one -on -one private prayer and just be honest about it. 100% honest. Tell him why you don't want to be part of the mission. Share your fears. Share your doubts. Share your concerns. Tell him about it in detail. Don't do it once. Do it over and over again and see how he responds. Have a long, detailed, honest conversation with God. And remember, his mission is all about love and showing you that he loves you and wanting to be in loving relationship with you. So you don't need to worry about him. He's not going to smack you down. He's not going to be like, I can't believe you're saying this stuff. At the very least, he wants you to be honest with him so he can have that conversation with you. So have it. Second category of people is you're overall keen. You do want to accept that invitation to be part of God's mission. Yeah, you might feel that pull to an easier way, but overall, no, I'm in. I want to be part of it. So my next step recommendation for you is also to pray and to pray this. God, what are you doing that I can join in with? You know, God hasn't been locked down last two years. He's still been on mission. He's been active the whole time. So ask him, what are you doing that I can join in with? Now remember, you don't have to travel overseas to do mission, although you can, that's a good thing to do. You can do mission in your home, in your street, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school. There's all sorts of opportunities. It doesn't have to be part of an organized church activity. Just ask God what he's up to and see where you can join in, and then see what he shows you. So there's my two recommended, uh, that's my ne recommended next step, is to pray. You can do that whenever you like. You might like to do it during this service. Uh, we've got some times of prayer and worship, uh, or maybe as soon as the video finishes, take, that, take some quiet time and start that prayer today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.